The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. This morning, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 14. And I hope you remember that, that we never, ever, ever have to be afraid. Uh, and we're talking about going deep. We're going to continue that this morning. And we, uh, we talked last week about going deep, and we looked at the... Uh, the first disciples and how they were there fishing, if you remember, and the Lord asked them to move on out into the, the deeper water and for, a, for a victory, for a catch, for success. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, a, a, a passage. I've probably preached this message or something similar to this message before here. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember what I preached. I preached this message at a revival uh, back last year and uh, it's kind of been there on my desk, and I've been thinking about it, and I thought this was great uh, because it's, it's about going deeper. And uh, I, we talked about going deep last week and how so often that leads to, the, to, to victory. And I was leaving South Texas yesterday, and uh, I was, like I say, poking around on the radio trying to find something. And I came across a football game, Baylor versus Texas Tech. Did you watch that game, Michael? Michael's a Texas Tech alumni, and uh, he, uh, boy, they, they, did anybody watch that game or listen to it? Nobody here except Michael and maybe some of that group. It was exciting, wasn't it? Even to the end, it was exciting, but boy, the very first of the game, the uh, kickoff was made, and I think, uh, uh, did Baylor get the ball first? And, And three plays later, they scored. And they scored by going deep. And then Texas Tech got the ball, and three plays later, they scored by going deep. <laughs> and this went back and forth. Uh, Baylor scored the first three times they had the ball, and Texas Tech scored uh, about three times in their first five tries. And uh, it, it went on and on and on. And, uh, of course, the uh, Baylor ended up winning. If you look at the score, it was 60 Five to thirty something. I don't know. It, it kind of looked like a one-sided score, but it was an exciting game. I don't. I don't watch Baylor. I don't really watch Texas Tech. But uh, I, I was driving, and my radio station went away, and I said, "I've got to find that game again." I searched for it, and the thing that was so exciting is, man, they would get a kickoff. They would maybe on their five, and three or four plays later, both teams. They would be all the way down into maybe the red zone just, just immediately, and they were doing that with long runs and long passes, and it was so exciting uh, because of the, the big plays and the going deep. And that's what, uh, as I was thinking about that this morning, I thought, you know, that's a great example of, of how exciting things can be when we move out into deeper water, when we decide that we're going we're gonna to take the next step in, in serving the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 14, you'll be very familiar with this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus, and he's been feeding 5,000. And the thing I want you to remember is this, that's probably 5,000 men. Because during this time, women and children weren't allowed to eat with men in public. So there may have been 10,000, 15,000 people that were being fed during this time. And, and as he begins to bring that to an end, he tells his disciples to get into the boat and to move on out ahead of him. And that's where we're going to start in verse 22 of chapter 14 of Matthew. And it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat, and go ahead to him. That's what they're talking about. Immediately following this, as Jesus dismisses the crowds, 
he tells, he tells the disciples, go ahead and get in the boat, go on the other side, while I dismiss the crowd. And he dismissed them. He went on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This is verse 24. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was strong up against it. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I love this passage of Scripture. I always tell you all this is my favorite, but this, this really is probably my favorite. He's walking there, and I don't know if it is, but it's close. But he's walking there, and uh, he's walking on the water, and the disciples saw him walking on the lake, and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out and took him by the hand and caught him. He said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Isn't that a great lesson? Isn't that a great picture of what took place? I don't want to call it a story because we'll tend to think, well... That's a fairy tale that we find in the Bible. That's not true. This is an, an actual account of what's taking place. The thing I love about this is uh, Jesus is there. He's been up on the mountainside praying. He's uh, been talking to his father. And, and to me, just that picture, it says he's, he decided to catch up with his disciples. So he just gets up and he just starts going, well, there's the boat. I'm just going to walk on out there to them. Isn't that amazing? I mean, and in my mind, I can see Jesus just talking to the Father and saying, Father, your will be done and whatever I need to be done. And what? And he, he's not thinking about walking on the water. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to show these guys. I, he just simply said, y'all go ahead. I'll catch up with you later. And he's, he's just catching up with them. And there's a couple of things that I want to I go over. And like I say, if you have these in your notes from years past, I, I apologize. But uh, this is a good reminder for us. I want us to notice a couple of things. First, the boat huggers. Now, there's four things I want to I point out this morning. But I want you to first notice the boat huggers. How many were in the boat? At least 12. So there's 12 people there in the boat, his disciples. And look at verse 22. What they were all doing is they were all terrified. They were all terrified. Now, as we look at this story, we know they were terrified for several reasons. One, they were in the midst of a storm. The wind's buffeting the boat. The, the, the waves are hitting against the boat. And they're, they're, in my mind, I get this picture of a, of a, uh, a mast there in kind of the center of the boat and and in my mind, they're all gathered around, and they have their arms around him, and they're holding on, and the wind's blowing, and the water's blowing up in their face, and, and they're terrified. But in the midst of that, they look out there, and they say, hey, there's a ghost out there, something's walking on the water. So they're even, they're even more terrified now. And last week, we discussed how often are we guided by our fears instead of God's Word. As we looked at those fishermen who Jesus said, go out into the deeper water, and we talked about sometimes our fear can paralyze us. 
We did a study here on Sunday nights not too long ago about what are you afraid of? And, and the, the leader of that study said there's so many fears that we have and so many Christians have different fears that we deal with. And these men were, these men were terrified. And this morning I was just thinking if, if I was to call on some of you to come up here this morning and, and maybe give a testimony, you might be terrified of that. I was. Man, I, y'all just can't believe this, or you may believe it. I, I was terrified to get in front of folks. I could not stand getting in front and talking to anyone. I don't know what happened now. I can't shut up, you know. But, but something happened, and, and through practice and through getting up, I overcame some fears. I always think of this, and it, every time my wife, where is she at this morning? Oh, back, what are you back there for? <clears throat> she wrote to her, I told y'all this, she wrote... We had to write something and read it in our English class. She wrote in there, I was, she couldn't believe how shy I was. And that embarrassed me. <laughs> that embarrassed me that I was shy and that she told everybody I was shy. It, what about, you know, uh, if, if you were going to go out and share your faith, sometimes that terrifies us, doesn't it? I mean, we, we have fear about that thing. If you were asked to, to teach a Sunday school lesson or to preach a message or to take a mission trip or maybe the, the thought of death, maybe those things paralyze you with fear. Any number of things. Fear often limits us to what we can do. And when we read this, we see that these 12 disciples were terrified. They were paralyzed by their fear because all they were doing is holding on. And what they were doing is they were holding on to all they had that was tangible. They had a boat there and and they were filled with fear. There was uncertainty. There was things before them. They didn't know the outcome. So they took a hold of the one thing that was tangible and that was the boat. And folks, for us, that's us sometimes. We, we take a hold of, of something tangible, and we, we want to hold on to it. We don't know what the, what the outcome's going to be. The, the future may be uncertain, but, but we don't want to let go of the one thing we have. And as we begin to look at this story, we're going to see there was more for each of them that weren't paralyzed by the fear and the terror that they experienced. We see 11 boat huggers, but Peter wanted something a little bit more. So let's move on. My second point is this, if you want to notice, or if you will notice, the beginning of the walk, the fourth watch of the night, if you find this interesting, this is during the night, the Roman night was divided up into four watches, and the fourth watch would have been sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The, the Jews had a, a three divisions, and it was it, the last uh, division of that was between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., so, so sometimes between 2 in the morning... And dawn is when this all takes place. So the beginning of the walk. Folks, when we're paralyzed by courage, sometimes it takes a lot of courage to step out when it's still dark. When it's still dark and we have to move forward and the way is just dimly lit, that's where faith steps in. I think about old Moses standing there at that Red Sea and, and as he moved to the edge of the waters and Pharaoh's army's coming behind him and he's there at the edge of the water, I believe he had to step out into that water and then God performed the miracle. But for us so often, we want to walk by sight. We want to say, okay, Lord, if you want me to cross the Red Sea, go ahead and divide it and then I'll move out there. But, but we see Peter here in the, the middle of the night 
water spraying up in their eyes, wind blowing, men praying. I imagine they were yelling and hold on and get that and move this over here. And and they were all gathered up there and, and maybe they were just holding on. And Peter said, I want more than this because I looked and I, I see something moving out on the water and, and I want to talk. And, and Peter began to talk to the Lord. What do we call that? What do we call talking to the Lord? He began to pray. In the midst of his terror, in the midst of his, his struggle against the wind and as it was beating against him, we don't see it right here in Scripture. He just says, Lord, if it's you... Tell me to come out to you. What's he doing? He's talking to the Lord. He begins to pray. He begins to say, okay, Lord, I want more than what I have. It's the middle of the night. It's dark. I don't know what the future is, but he, he begins to pray, and he prays the simplest prayer. I think sometimes we as Christians, we think we have to dress our prayers up with all kinds of words and all kinds of sayings and all kinds of quotes. Peter just said this, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That was his whole prayer. Lord, if that's really you, just tell me to come to you. Lord, if it's really you in the midst of this storm, tell me, come to me and I'm going to come to you. That, that first step didn't start lightly. He, Peter was terrified. He was terrified with all the rest of them. He was holding on with all the rest of them. Here's what Peter did in the midst of his terror as he prayed. He asked for something bigger than he was, didn't he? He asked for something that was, that was greater than he was. And folks, sometimes in our Christian life, we need to do that. We need to say, Lord, there's something there. And it's bigger than me. It's bigger than I can handle. It's bigger than I can do. But Lord, if it's your will, tell me and let me move out on that. And that's what Peter did. I think sometimes we limit God with our request. And Scripture tells us in James 4, 2, that we have not because we've asked not. And sometimes we limit ourselves simply by saying, God, this can't be for me. I'm going to hold on to these tangible things I have. But Peter said, Lord, I want more from you. I want to take that next step with you. Lord, I want to move deeper that I can have the victory. Notice that when the Lord spoke to Peter, it was just a simple little verse. Verse 29, the Lord said, come. I want you to think about this. The midst of a storm, the raging sea, the middle of the night. Peter's cry to the Lord, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. I'd want a little more than come, wouldn't you? I'd want, okay, Jake, this is the Lord, and you come on to me, and I'm going to meet you out there. I can just imagine, we talked last week a little bit about not taking advice from friends sometimes. You know, the fishermen and, and the fishermen could have looked at the other fishermen and said, what do y'all think we ought to do? Because we've done fished all night. I could imagine maybe this going through my mind. Guys, what do you think? Did y'all hear what he said? Did, did y'all hear the same thing I heard? Did he really say, come? Guys, what do you think I ought to do? What do you think, John? What about Thomas? Can you imagine what old Doubting Thomas might have said? He, he might have said, I doubt that's what he said. I don't, I, don't, I don't figure he told you to come out there. What about John? John could have said, Lord, I'm, I'm John. I'm the disciple whom you love. That's how he describes himself throughout John. I'm your favorite disciple. I don't think, I don't think John was saying, 
okay, Peter, go ahead, I'm his favorite, but you go ahead and try it. I think, Peter, I think John would have been saying, no, if anybody could do it, I could do it, and he didn't say it to me, so, so I don't think he done. Peter didn't ask any of those questions. He heard the word of the Lord, and here's a word we don't like sometimes, he obeyed. Just simple. He heard the word of the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said, come on. And immediately, he obeyed. We talked last week about this. Christ will push us to be where we want to. Remember, he took those fishermen and he, he pushed them. He said, here, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to take another step. I want you to move out into deeper water, and I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to push you. And, I, and we need to realize that when the Lord comes to us, he's going to push us to be where we need to be. The measure of faith that God gives each one of us will always push us. It will always point us. It will always pull us in the direction of Jesus. And that's what Peter began to understand is, is by the measure of faith I've, I've, given, I've been given by God, He's going to push me and He's going to lead me and He's going to pull me to where I need to be. The hard part is those times that we have to stand alone in faith. You remember we talked a, a while back about sometimes God will give you, a, he'll give you an ideal and he'll, he'll give you a desire. And, and sometimes you'll go and you'll talk to this person and that person and this person and they won't be on board with it. They'll say, well, I just don't see it. I don't think it'll ever work. I, I've never, we've never done that. I, I've never heard of that. I, and, and all of a sudden you realize you're out there by yourself. God gave you that ideal, you cultivated it, you prayed about it, and He said, okay, here's some action, I want you to take that step. And, and you look around and there's nobody with you. Boy, think about that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when, when uh, the king said, I'm going to give you one more chance, everybody bow. And three stood. They were out on a limb, they were all by themselves, and sometimes for us to stand alone in faith, when others don't agree with us, the good news is Jesus never fails. His love never gives up. He never abandons us. In other words, we may look around and there may be 11 boat huggers holding on to that tangible thing, looking back at what we're fixing to do, but Christ says, you know what, I'm right here. You're not moving by yourself. You're moving on faith, and that kind of faith moves a mountain. And that kind of faith, when we let go, it'll, it'll walk us through the fire and, and it'll let us stand in the victory because all of a sudden we're not looking at the circumstances and all of a sudden we're not looking at the crowd. All of a sudden we're looking at the Father. And He says, let's move forward and we step out on faith. Here's the next thing I want to think about. When we ask for something bigger than us, when we walk in obedience, sometimes we'll live a miracle. That happened to Peter, didn't it? I mean, he prayed for something bigger than he was. And the Lord said, come. And when he stepped out on faith, he lived a miracle. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water. That's what the Bible says. I think I've said this before. I always thought about, I have a Ranger bass boat, and, and it's broke down now. I'll sell it to you cheap. If you'll just come get it, you can have it. But, but literally, when it's in the water, from this edge of this stage to the floor, it's probably that far, and that's about how far it sets out of the water. And, and if I wanted to get out 
I can just put my feet over the side and just slip off and I'm in the water. But I got to think about these boats. These boats set high out of the water. And I can just imagine that Peter probably had to turn around and take the edge and lower himself down to the water. I mean, it wasn't like he could just, just step from here to here and be out. He had to put some effort in it. And he stepped out and he walked on the water. He lived a miracle. He lived something that everybody else just got to watch. Why? Because he prayed to the Lord and he was obedient to the Lord and the Lord blessed him for his obedience. For us, we've had some miracles in our life. You know, if you're a born-again Christian, you've experienced a miracle. Because the Bible teaches this. When we're born again, we move from death to life. When we're born again, we have life eternal. We never die. All this old body we have now, we'll take our last breath on this side of heaven. Our next breath will be in heaven. That's a miracle. And, and how we experience that miracle, we experience through praying for salvation. And then we experience it through obedience to the Father. When, the, when we pray and the Holy Spirit draws us and we pray, Lord, I want you to, to cleanse me and forgive me my sins... And Christ saves us. That's through prayer and obedience. Peter didn't stop at asking. He put feet behind his request. He put action behind his faith. Sometimes we stop there. Sometimes I stop there. Lord, here's what I want to do. And where do you want me to go? And all of a sudden God reveals his plan and says, come on. And I never put any feet behind it. I never put any action behind it. I, I just kind of say, well, Lord, I, I didn't really want to get out of the boat. I just wanted to look good. I, I wanted to pray. I wanted everybody to know I'm praying about it. And I, I wanted everybody to know I, I, I'm going to think about doing this. And I'm thinking about this ministry or that ministry. And I, I'm really thinking about talking to this person about Christ. But, Lord, I don't really want to do it. Peter put some action behind his faith. Now, I want us to notice one other thing. This is where I think so many fail in their attempt to step out in faith. What did Peter do when he started walking? You know this from reading this. The Bible is real clear. He says, and Peter got out of the boat. This is verse 29. And he's walking on the water, and he's coming towards Jesus. And verse 30 starts with but. There's a but there. But he saw the wind, and he was afraid, and he began to sink. I think too often in our Christian wall, that's what we do. We get a, a call from God and He begins to direct us and He begins to lead us and all of a sudden we see our circumstances. Peter took his eyes off the Lord and he began to look around and he began to say, you know what, I'm not qualified for this. I don't have the training I don't have the resume to be doing what I'm doing. You know, when we get a glimpse of something, it scares us sometimes, doesn't it? Did y'all watch Lonesome Dove? I mean, this is everybody should have watched Lonesome Dove. And you know, in Lonesome Dove, and I thought about this, this another movie that had uh, Robert Duvall in it that used the same tactic, and a lot of times scary movies use the same tactic. It's dark, and it's windy, maybe it's raining, and I believe in Lonesome Dove, all of that's taking place. And all of a sudden, it lightnings just that quick. And old Blue Duck's standing there. Y'all remember that? 
It scares you, don't it? You're like, oh, golly, he's right there. What happened? You just get a glimpse of something. Just a little glimpse. That happens in movies all the time. It'll, it'll be dark and headlights will flash by or lightning will flash or something will happen and, and you'll catch a glimpse of a face and you'll be startled all of a sudden. That's what they want you to do. But that's what happened to Peter, I think. I think he's walking alone and maybe the, the clouds are, are, are breaking and maybe the moon shines through occasionally, maybe it lightnings. And, and he's walking towards the Lord and he's got his eyes and all of a sudden there's a flash of light just for a second. And he catches a glimpse of these waves. They're heavy. They're, they're throwing against the boat. They're big waves. You ever been on the ocean and, and all of a sudden you're, you're in the boat here and we went out fishing a few years ago and we got in some little waves. Just, just four or five, six foot tall through a little, through a little storm we were in. And, and you could see everything and then you could just see water. And then you could see everything and you could just see water. That's what I thought about Peter. You know, all of a sudden, he, he gets a glimpse of his circumstances. All of a sudden, he, he realizes, you know what? I'm in the midst of a storm. And he takes his eyes off the Savior, and he begins to sink. And when we take our eyes off our Savior in the favor of our situation, we are going to begin to sink. I think that's our lesson today. We see boat huggers that said, you know what, I'm going to not let go of the security I have right here. We see another who prays, who the Lord says, come. He's walking a miracle. He's living a miracle. And all of a sudden, some kind of distraction comes along. And he takes his eyes off the Savior, and he begins to sink. Now, we've seen the boat huggers. We've seen the beginning of the walk. We've seen the, the tragedy of taking our eyes off the Savior now let's get to the good part, and this is the last thing. Let's get to the worship. Because what happened to Peter was this. In 1 John 1, 9, Christ says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what? When we're walking along with the Lord and all of a sudden we take a detour, all of a sudden we're not where God wants us to be. All of a sudden we've taken our eyes off the Savior and we begin to look around at all of our circumstances and all the reasons we can't be where God wants us to be, the Lord says this, just come to me, confess me, because you know what? I never give up on you. I never abandon you. I never leave you. I'm right here at your side. And Peter yelled out. I just imagine he yelled out, don't you? Lord, save me! Don't you know he did? He's... He's still got some fear. He's walking on the water and he looks around and, and he cries out another short prayer, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached out and he took him by the hand and he caught him. The thing I forget sometimes that I think maybe we forget, how do you think they got back to the boat? They walked back to the boat, didn't they? He just reached out and said, Peter, why did you lose faith? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And he just walks him back to the boat. I, I just wonder if he wasn't talking to him. Peter, we had such a great thing going, and, and you just took your eyes off of me, and you started to sink. And you think Peter was even thinking about that? Hey, I'm, I'm living in there the miracle. Because why? Because I called out to the Lord, and he reached out. He took me by the hand, and he lifted me up. The, script, the song says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. But Jesus reached out and took my hand and lifted me from the depths of sin. We see that in Peter. 
And this is what I want us to see. They climbed back into the boat, and they all worshipped him. That's what we're doing here today. We're come to worship the Lord. I've been talking about a couple different things this morning. I've been talking about walking in faith. I've been talking about living miracles. If you say, I've never experienced a miracle, then you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's a miracle in itself. We're talking about faith in everyday life. But I want us to really understand the last thing about worship this morning. There was, there was 12 people at the SS Minnow worship service that morning. And, and they were there together and, and there was 11 spectators. You know, we talked last week about Christianity is not a spectator sport, is it? In Christianity, we're not to be out gathering up those and, and coming to sit and watch. We're to, we're to be the ones out there bringing others in and, and building the kingdom of God. And we're not just to be spectators that come to Sunday to, to look at what's been brought in. And, and Christianity is not a spectator sport, so all 12 of them worshipped. Who do you think worshipped the most? Oh, y'all say something. We're nearly through. We don't have but four minutes. Don't you know Peter did? It says there, and when they climbed in the boat and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you're the Son of God. Can you imagine what Peter's worship must have been like? I mean, I could see those other 11 boat huggers saying, you truly are the Son of God. You really are the Son of God. But I can see Peter saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I just walked with you on the water. I just experienced a touch from the Master's hand. I was just lifted from my sin. I was just lifted when I was sinking. Truly, you are the Son of God. And folks, when we'll take a stand in life, when we'll start walking on faith, when we'll start stepping out in obedience, when we come to worship, it's going to be on a whole other level. Because when we begin to see the Lord as He is, and we begin to see ourselves as we are, and we realize that we have been saved, that we have been lifted up, then we cry out, truly, you are the Son of God. What about today? What's your next step of faith? How, do, how are you going to go deeper today for victory? Boy, Peter, he, he stepped out in faith. He lived the impossible he received a touch from the master's hand, and he walked through the storms of his life hand in hand with the master. And today, not much has changed 2,000 plus years later. In the end of this book, there's an invitation in Revelation. It's Revelation 22, and it says this to us, The Spirit and the Bride say what? Come. That's the invitation. And let, who he, let him who hears say what? Come. And whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes to take the free gift of life, let him come. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? The last book of the Bible says this. Come. The Savior is calling today. He don't want us to be satisfied hugging the boat no longer. He don't want us to be satisfied with saying, well, 
when the light gets bright enough, when I can see, when I can walk by sight, then, Lord, I'm ready to respond. But until you show me the end, I'm going to hang on to this boat. The Lord wants us in the midst of our fears. If he's given us a desire of our heart and we're just scared to step out on it, he wants us to, to come to him in prayer and cry out to him. And then he's going to respond to us. The Bible says this, we seek the Lord. He's going to hear us and he's going to respond. And as he responds, he simply wants us to be obedient to him. It may be a lonely walk. You may be the only one that he's called out of that boat today. He may need a leader to take the first step. But just between you and the Lord today, what is he asking you to do now? Go deep for the victory. The Spirit this morning says come. The church this morning says come. Those who hear today say come. And those who are thirsty come. Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word, we see, Father, the the desire that you have for us. Father, to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, I pray today that we would ask for something bigger than we are, that we might experience a whole new relationship with the Father. I pray, Lord, as we come to worship, we simply wouldn't come as a spectator, but we'd be involved in the worship of our Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, that you'd open our minds, that we might follow you, all to you. I give my all to you today, living for Jesus in all that I do, that we might recognize your worthiness of worship and praise. Father, today, I pray as we come to a time of invitation, as we come to that, that point in our service of just doing business with you, I pray that we'd let go of a pew, we'd let go of our past, we'd let go of our fears, and we would respond to the wooing of your spirit, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.